Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, it's good to be back with you, sir. Great to be back with you, Eric. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I'm, I'm coming right off that last podcast we did. Uh, for those that are listening, this isn't necessarily a two-parter. However, the podcast that the gentlemen are doing today really, really marries well with that last podcast. Uh, so, Greg, do you want to just give an overview of what you guys talked about? Sure. Because uh, you know, if you haven't gone back and listened to it, let's just save you a few minutes or give you a reason to go back and listen to the entirety. But mm -hmm. the last podcast, we talked about the inflationary uh, pressures that we're seeing in our economy right now, how it is affecting people in their home uh, and whether or not to be concerned about it, trying to help them to kind of separate out the, the noise uh, and understand what there is to be concerned about, what opportunities are out there, and what things to, to not get into. So today we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about investing uh, as a result of inflation, how to deal with that, how to plan for it, uh, and you know, how you can protect your family, because that's what we're all about here, trying to give you the information so that your family is protected, so that your money supports your life in the way that you want to live it. So, John, I'm going to I'm going to toss it to you, but I'm going to toss it to you with a question, because I know that there are lots of people out there uh, that are looking for opportunity as a result of inflation. The, I'm, Almost as many people that are concerned about it are looking for some ways to get a get an edge, right? We're trying to get that final kick over the over the top, so I've got my lifestyle secure for the future. And they're thinking, "Hey, I'm going to put my money in gold. I'm going to put my money in Bitcoin. I'm going to put my money in oil and gas." Um, I know you got a story over there that uh, that you shared with me that kind of really drives home the difficulty that one has when they are looking at the investing in a inflation head as a trade, almost as a commodity type of trade, as opposed to structurally setting themselves up for the future. So John, take it away. Tell us about what can happen when you are looking at it as a, um, as a short-term commodity, almost transaction, trying to take advantage of inflation. Yeah, that's a great question. And thanks, Greg, for uh, having me on today and uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about this because I, I actually get a brag about myself for a half second here. Um, now that will, um, I'm sure I'll be punished for it later. The the Wall Street gods out there will, will punish me later. But I got to tell you, you know, once inflation has ramped up and is in full swing, it's hard to try to correct the problem. It's like trying to plan for retirement when you turn 65, right? You get, uh, you retire from your work, you get a gold watch and you sit down with your advisor and say, okay, now what do I do? By the time it's happened, it's probably too late, right? So last year, February, 2021, we, um, we saw some of the writing on the wall and 
we've tried to find unique opportunities in the market that we think we can do very well in. And last year, energy was that that one, right? We saw some incredible opportunity. Oil was crazy low. Um, Exxon had just been delisted from the S&P 500. There, were a, there was a lot of negativity, if you remember, around, well, is Exxon even going to be in business? So we started looking at oil and gas and saying, man, this could be an incredible opportunity. So we moved into an index. Um, that's generally what we prefer to do. Rather than pick individual stocks, we like to pick sectors. Um, and that's what we did. Um, and by the way, for the listeners, we're not making recommendations on individual stocks. Everybody is different. What we're trying to do here is really just give you some foundation and ways to look at this. Having said that, we purchased an index called XLE. At the time, we were getting a 6.1% dividend, and uh, we thought oil was way, way undervalued. So we peeled a little bit off the portfolio and made the investment. Well, I got lucky. We got very, very lucky. It has done very well, and it continues to do very well. And my clients are locked in with a very attractive dividend. I'm not saying it's going to be the same thing now. Everybody else, you know, if you try to go do it now, you might be a little bit late to the game. But it's kind of the mindset of trying to find opportunities in the market where you think that the old adage, right, um, in hockey, you don't skate to where the puck is, you skate to where the puck is going. And so you need to be a little more strategic with your investments, I think, especially in today's environment. And so that's just one example of uh, some strategic thinking. And certainly, if I really knew what was going to happen, I would have put all my money in XLE, right? But we didn't. We just found an opportunity. And that's what you kind of do. You try to look for opportunities and where, where the market is going. So when we think about that in the context of the inflation conversation, you know, what John uh, identified uh, was an opportunity uh, that was going to be driven by the increase of that price. Uh, at that point in time, gas was incredibly low. And, and he was looking at it from the global perspective of, okay, this has got to go up. Uh, all these factors are going to drive up the price. And so that gave him an opportunity to look at, okay, where is the puck headed? Uh, and what is the tool to take advantage of that? And these type of, uh, of situations do exist in the context of investing as an inflation hedge. Now, what is very important, what John talked about there is that it was a exchange traded fund that could be something that can get in and get out that was highly liquid. Where people get in trouble many times is when they get the gold bug story. Uh, when they're going to buy gold, they're going to buy other precious metals, they're going to buy commodities. Uh, and that is not something that in and of itself is as marketable for the consumer in terms of the investment as something like the exchange rate of fund. You know, if you buy gold, as John pointed out in the last conversation, you can't eat it. You can't plant it. You can only hold it. And the difficulty is when do you sell it? Because the value of that can change very rapidly. 
Uh, not as rapidly as Bitcoin, but it can change very rapidly because of the size of the market. Um, so from that, John, let's talk a little bit because that was essentially a, a decision that you made in managing the portfolio uh, based upon essentially what was an undervaluation of that stock or that sector for that situation, which which is very similar to what you want to talk about next with regard to you know value stock versus growth stock and those type of things when we are looking at an inflationary future. Because as we talked about at the beginning, we talked about in the last one, this is a transitory event, theoretically. But I think a story is important here for you to get some context. I was working with a planning client just the other day, uh, and we were building out a plan. They had about 30-year run that they were looking at for their retirement before they passed away, and they wanted to have the lifestyle right now of $10,000 a month after tax. And so we were running all their numbers, and I was able to tell them, hey, look, 30 years down the road with what you've got with inflation, you're still going to be okay. They were going to have a few million dollars still in their portfolio at that point in time. And our conversation then went from there. They're like, well, gee, I wonder what that million dollars is worth in today's dollars or that $2 million in that particular situation in 30 years. What's it worth in today's dollars? And how is that related with the purchasing power? And I told, I showed them that with an inflation rate of about three and a half percent that we use in that model to maintain that $10,000 a month lifestyle in that 30 years, they were going to need, I think it was $36,000 a month to support the same lifestyle as they're having now at 10,000. And from our last conversation, you, you may recall that the fed has a goal of 2% a year inflation. So we need to be investing with the thought of inflation and how do we beat inflation? How do we continue to maintain our purchasing power? And, and John's going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the different types of investments that can be used to get there. John? Yeah. No, thanks, Greg. You're exactly right. I for the listeners, if you want to go look up something, a little cheat for you, look up the rule of 72. We normally would say you take 72 divided by the interest rate, and that's how many years it will take you to double your money. So if you assume a 7% growth, 72 divided by two means it doubles every what, 10 years, give or take. The same rule can be applied to inflation. So let's say inflation is at 4%. We take 72 divided by four, that gives us 18. That means the value of our investments is worth half after 18 years, assuming a 4% rate of inflation. That is a good rule of thumb and just something to keep in mind. That's a little shortcut from me to you. So now you can, you can have that with you to just give you an idea. You can just plug in your own rates of growth or inflation and, and play around with that a little bit. But I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, this idea of where, where, 
where should we be putting our money now? And I'm, I'm not going to be bringing up any specific companies because that's, I don't want to get any trouble with the, with the regulators that we have. Greg, you and I are both federally registered and, uh, you know, we got to be a little careful. But if you call us and we have a conversation on the phone, we can certainly share some of those ideas. But I want to give you just a little bit of education here. These concept of a value stock versus a growth stock. We'll just say growth versus value. If you just look at the words growth and value, you might think that, hey, one grows faster than the other, but the other one might be worth more. But like most things, you know, Wall Street has their own ideas on what these things mean and how they've termed them. So before we get into, um, you know, exactly what growth and value is, I want to introduce one more concept, and that's the P.E. ratio. It's simply price to earnings ratio. That's where the P.E. comes from. So what that means is price to earnings means that we're going to take the stock price of the company and divide it by the company earnings. For example, um, if you wanted to purchase an ice cream store for $100, Greg, you and I love ice cream. We go see an ice cream store down the street and we say, hey, let's buy that ice cream store. Let's say it costs $100 and their annual earnings are $5. The P.E. ratio would then be 20 to 1. So for every $20 we purchase it for, we expect to earn $1 in revenue or earnings. And is that a good buy? Depends, right? But it's a number that at least gives us a starting point to start to further define growth and value. If we were to take this same pricing strategy with the ice cream store and divided the price divided by the earnings, we could identify a value. Let's just first say that this is not the only way we determine value. As a matter of fact, Wall Street argues until they're blue in the face on what they even consider earnings. Some would say that it's, well, it's estimated future earnings is more accurate, or it's important for us to use something called discounted cash flows. This is all just makes it more and more confusing. For the benefit of the conversation today, PE in its simplest form is a time-tested number that we can at least put all the companies on a level playing field. So now that we've identified what PE is, let's get back to this idea of growth versus value in the stock market. Some companies tend to have higher PE ratios, meaning that the price is higher relative to their earnings. That's because investors are betting that the earnings are going to go very quickly. They just haven't done it yet. For example, some technology companies may have very high PE ratios because they're betting that some of them will become wildly successful, even though a lot of them are going to fail. The thought is that even one winner more than makes up than the, for the 20 losers that they invest in. So the same comes to value stocks the P.E. ratio tends to be much lower. The price is lower and the earnings are higher. So the thinking is that there's not likely to be much growth because it could be a mature industry, right? Like buying laundry detergent or toilet paper. 
but they're almost certainly not going out of business because we're going to continue to need those products going forward. So I'm conversation regarding value and growth. You know, it's essentially uh, you look at the Teslas of the world. Uh, That's a where, great example where they are being priced based upon some future revenues that they're betting will happen. And I use that for that deliberately. <laughs> I, I'd say they have their fingers very crossed. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so, and then compare that to a Procter and Gamble, right. That's out there used to be GE, but you know, they've had a little bit of difficulty themselves, but those two type of, of companies, one has been around for a long time, solid, the, the good old uh, dividend producing type of companies uh, that are, it's being called value because maybe they're not getting the type of love that uh, they should be getting from the market. And that's where people like, you know, some of our more famous investors uh, have come Charlie in. Munger is one of the old school ones. Yeah, yeah, that that look for those companies that are not getting enough love. Uh, your kids are not likely to be investing in them. They're going to be investing in TikTok or whatever, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, things, things that are going to grow and things that are very risky. Uh, and so when we're looking uh, at trying to outpace inflation or, or grow with inflation, you really, you, you can't just say one or the other, can you? You got to look at blending all of these things together. Well, that's, that's exactly right. So you, you hit on a, a point there, you know, these value stocks are really, we estimate them to be better for retirees because they won't be jumping around a lot. When it comes to inflation, these companies are going to be able to raise their prices, continue to have earnings because they're must-haves by the consumers. So, you know, we, we look at some of these companies for the retiree, we can, in essence, take out a lot of those growth companies, not that we want to take them all out, but if we focus, because the value companies can actually have price appreciation better than the growth companies when the market starts to correct, or if there's a certain amount of uncertainty, people flock to these value funds and value companies. And so if you want to talk about, you know, where the puck may be going, uh, now could be a time to be targeting some of these value companies. The growth side has dominated the past 13 years, and we've certainly enjoyed that ride, right, Greg? I mean, we have, our clients have benefited tremendously uh, from the gains in the stock market. And, but you may be time if you're, you know, in, in retirement, there are some certain benefits. And, um, you know, if you have a portfolio and you're not currently working with us, just remember, it's really hard to get a second opinion from the place you got the first one, right? It is a good time right now to take a look at what else is out there. And if there's maybe a safer vehicle to get into, um, as opposed to just pure growth and shooting the moon. So, you know, one of the things that people need to realize is um, the inertia that is out there in so many portfolios. Uh, if you look uh, through history, you look at some of the, the greatest companies uh, that are the apples of today uh, that within a short period of time, 
are are non-existent. Look what's happened to GE over the years and the and the value there. Procter and Gamble uh, here in our in our backyard down you know, down Cincinnati. You know these are great companies um, that have difficult times. And it's if you look at the history of the Dow Jones, you look at the history of the uh, S and P five hundred and the companies that are at the top of those lists, you would see a, an incredible amount of turnover in those companies. But too many people that have started down the path of thinking about individual companies uh, go there and stay with a buy and hold philosophy with those and end up losing value significantly when the company turns. Totally agree. I've seen it so many times where it's almost like they have an emotional connection to that one company. Like somebody worked for, um, you know, company A for 20 years and they got a lot of stock options. And they just say, well, I'm just going to stick with it. They, they really don't understand the risk that they're taking. And I'm, they may be right for another six months or 12 months, but the time will come where they, they could end up in a position where they're a little sorry that they did that. Greg, I want to, you know, we, you mentioned portfolios and taking a look. And I mentioned the second opinion thing. It's amazing what inflation is going to do to some of these portfolios that are listed as conservative or moderate, there is literally a ticking time bomb inside of those. You know, we talked about a great hedge for inflation as hard assets, stocks, energy, things like that. But the opposite, what is bad during inflation is a lot of, and we, we talked about this in another uh, podcast, but the bond portfolios right now, if the Federal Reserve starts really trying to get a handle on this inflation, everybody out there with a conservative or moderate portfolio, you don't necessarily understand what kind of damage is about to be done. Those rising inflation numbers, when they try to correct, interest rates go up, and those bond holdings, whether you know you have them or not, are going to get pulled down dramatically. I'm talking about, you know, 10, 15, even 20% losses in a very short order. And that's the kind of risk that we're talking about. You mentioned actually a specific formula for uh, that, that the potential drawdown on mm-hmm. bonds during that, that podcast. Uh, and for those people that are nearing retirement, uh, it can be devastating. Yeah, what, and is, what is there as a safe part of the portfolio can be devastating. It's interesting because we've almost been spoiled these last 13 years. The conservative and moderate portfolios have seen nice growth, right? Because we didn't really have the problems of inflation. We're not going to have the corrections to inflation that we're about to have. And so a lot of them through no fault of their own, by the way, because this is complicated stuff. This is not easy. Through no fault of their own, they could find themselves in a very unwinnable situation. Um, and it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, I want to kind of double back to our conversation about the selection of stocks uh, in, in a portfolio uh, and <clears throat> historically what that is. Because um, I, I, I pulled up here on my good old Google machine, uh, the um, S&P 500 from 2000, mm-hmm. uh, the, to- the top 10 in 2000, number one, General Motors, 
what happened to it throughout that decade. Uh, bankruptcy, bondholders wiped out. Bondholders went to zero. Uh, Walmart number two. Okay, that's still still doing fairly well, right? Exxon Mobil uh, is number three. Ford Motor was number four. General Electric was number five. Fire sale that that became. Uh, IBM number six. They've been standing along still fairly strong. Uh, number seven, Citigroup. I'm not quite sure what's going on with that these days. Number eight, AT and T. Number nine, Altria Group. I do believe that's the Paul Mall people. Uh, and, uh, that's probably not in the top 10 anymore. Uh, and number 10 Boeing. Okay. So too many people, again, go into retirement with these portfolios that have been built on the history, not thinking mm -hmm. about the future, not thinking about what's going to happen with these good old solid companies that are facing, uh, a fairly uncertain future, especially with, uh, with inflation. Yeah, Greg, and you, you absolutely nailed it with um, your, your statement on building portfolios based on this ancient data. And, and I shouldn't say that. I mean, trying to keep doing it the old way is going to get people in trouble. And I'm not saying, you know, we should all be buying Lululemon and Zoom and, um, you know, Apple. I'm not saying that at all. But a different way of thinking and taking a second look at it as you go into retirement or or you are in retirement, especially in today's environment, um, is absolutely critical. Can I make a quick shameless plug? You can find me on my website, just simply johnknowsretirement.com. All my contact information is in there. Uh, Greg and I have been working together for years and years. So contact either one of us, and we would love to take a quick look and offer you know, an assessment. Yeah, as we bring this in for a landing today, um, we got to build for inflation. It's, it's, it is part of the economic reality. We don't have to worry about this spike continuing at this pace you know, for the long term. Is that's that, folks, is the downfall of Western civilization. If the U.S. Uh, goes through a period of hyperinflation, then everything is going to reset. All bets are off. We don't know what that's going to look like. We can't worry about that. What we can worry about is we know that there are pockets of inflation. You know, we've seen it with education, right? We've seen it with the cost of medical care, those type of things uh, that are going to be out there. We know that the Fed is shooting for a, a rate of inflation of 2%. We know that's happening, and we know we need to keep pace with that. We know that it's difficult to try to do that within the within the context of a static uh, investment fund, or our portfolio. Uh, and as we talked about before, there are other tools that can be there to help balance out some of the risk of that uh, with with some steady growth. You know, there are things out there that we can count on fairly reliably to get ourselves a rate of return in excess of the rate of, of inflation for the foreseeable future. But we have to look at it fresh. Uh, what's got us here isn't what's gonna get us where we wanna go in many cases. So before I sign off here, I, as always, I wanna toss it out to Eric, uh, our fly on the wall there to see if there's anything that uh, has uh, come to his mind that he would like to maybe have us clarify for the listeners out there. Well, I do have one quick question this time. When it comes to just some practical 
application, if you will. Would you suggest that people looking at, you know, the, the rising prices and things, and we don't know what's going to happen in the next six months, you know, the prices could go higher. I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at and what I'm hearing just because inflation, the, the way it's going currently, would you say it's a good idea for people to kind of scale back on their spending, maybe put a little bit more into a uh, quote unquote emergency fund, not, not like there's going to be a major emergency, but but like the gas prices, for instance, I mean, I've, I, I've kind of scaled back. We talked about last time I've scaled back on driving my, my Dodge Ram with a Hemi, which I love to drive. <laughs> However, I drive it like it's got a Hemi, <laughs> you know, and, and it gets eight miles to the gallon when I do that. So I've kind of scaled that back. But would you suggest that people kind of say, you know what, let's put a little bit more into savings every month in case prices rise over the next six months. And we can use that to kind of supplement that. Or is that, is that going a little too far? I don't know. I'll toss it over to John. Let him answer that one. So if businesses, if you are treating your family like a business, um, if you expect inflation to continue, you'd want to go ahead and purchase. The biggest thing you can do is, yes, you can save, but that money and savings will continue to be eroded by inflation. Mm, true. Yeah. The best thing you can do is hold on to your hard assets don't try to sell your house and think that you'll make a quick buck. Hang on, uh, stay the course. Um, if anything, there could be a good time for the listeners to ask for a raise at work, right? As earnings rise at work, so does their profits. So now is the time to continue to stay aggressive. You should always have six months worth of living expenses, mm -hmm. but I would say now's the time to be aggressive. Invest in yourself. Okay. Great points. Gentlemen, I, I appreciate it. Greg, do you have any final thoughts before we close up today? So I'll just throw out there again, uh, inflation is a reality. Inflation can be a huge uh, negative factor going forward right there with taxes uh, that we need to plan for. And we can plan for it, but we need to plan sooner rather than later can't play catch up against it. It's too, it's yeah. you're behind the eight ball. We cannot uh, catch up that way. So if you want to chat with uh, John or myself or anybody our, of our team, uh, as John noted, you can reach out to him by email at john at johnknowsretirement.com. Uh, myself, uh, Greg at dupontwealth.com. Or you can give our line a call, good old fashioned phone call at 614-408-0004. That's about it for today. Eric, got anything for me? That's it, guys. Thank you so much, John and Greg. Always a pleasure. I'm always learning more every time. I took some notes from today, so I'm going to just kind of put that in my library. So thank you so much. And of course, our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the team comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And this makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 